Okay, if y'all could all please stand for the reading of God's Word. Our text today is Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Uh, If you're using one of the blue Bibles in the chair pocket in front of you, that's going to be on page 300. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take that home with you uh, as a gift. Alrighty. Hear the word of the Lord. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. The darkness is as light with you. Thus says God's word. Once again, let's pray for the word of the word that we have heard this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this truth. We thank you for the presence that we have received, God, that you are always with us, and you've promised that in both the Old and the New Testament. And God, we rest our hope on that, that we do not serve a distant God, but one who is very near. And we, we thank you for that, God. We pray that the reality of this would penetrate deep into our hearts and that we would have uh, hearts to receive it and to apply it and to be transformed by it. God, I pray for myself that I'd be able to preach your word effectively and that it would do its work. And God, that I would not um, corrupt it with any additions or subtractions, but that I would speak exactly what you have said in your most holy word. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. You can be seated. Two real quick things before I begin. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, uh, Tuesday, or I guess Wednesday, actually, Wednesday, well, actually more Thursday morning, uh, Gabriel and Natalie had their baby. Esther Grace was born, a little over seven pounds. She's adorable, and I'm sure they'll be here soon with her, but uh, we graciously gave them a day off after having a baby for a few days, so we didn't, we were going to press it, but no, I'm just kidding, we didn't. So uh, David and Katie uh, helped us with worship today. I was grateful for that. Second thing is, uh, next week is our, is our psalm sing and potluck, and I appreciate all of you guys who have signed up to bring food for that. We still need uh, last I checked the list, two people, if you would be willing to prepare a turkey for us um, and just bring it up there. I'm delivering those turkeys tomorrow, so I need to know today if you're willing to do that. If you would, just before you leave, there's a sign-up sheet on the uh, on the black table in the foyer, and if you'd sign up on that, the church will provide the turkey. We just need you to make them and bring them. So if you would do that for us, we'd be really grateful. Also, the rest of you that have not yet signed up, if you'd just sign up, you can bring a bread, side salad, whatever you want to bring, um, dessert, and um, we will uh, we'll, we'll get you on the list. This is an event you won't want to miss next week, uh, 5 o'clock at First Baptist in Wolferth, and we're doing it with three other churches, and it's just going to be a fantastic time. We did this last year and it was great and so i wanted to make you aware of that now david falsely said that we had agreed um that i would preach shorter i said no such thing i just want to say that clearly i'm I'm joking i'm joking um but i did see several of you guys post the meme that because of the time change i get a whole extra hour to preach so i'm in i'm in perfect shape this morning um well we're still in the attributes of god and so 
In previous sermons, we've looked at some of the omnis that uh, that have been defined as attributes of God, um, notably his omnipotence, which means that God is all-powerful, and his omniscience, which means that he's all-knowing. And today we're going to c- consider one of those omnis that we may not have given proper attention to. I think we haven't given proper attention to it because we tend to take it for granted. We assume to know everything that can be known about God's omnipresence, which simply is that God is present everywhere. You'll recall that prefix omni in the Latin means all or total or complete. So God's omnipresence indicates that he is present everywhere at all times. Now, I say we may not give proper attention to this magnificent attribute because it feels instinctive. I doubt there are anybody who is attending here today who who doesn't have some sort of understanding that God is present with us here this morning in our time of worship, but that he's also fully present with believers gathering on the other side of the world. But I believe that there is much more to understand about the omnipresence of God beyond the fact that he is locally present everywhere. Um, As important as that is, it's very important. But as with his omnipotence and his omniscience, God's omniscience, or his omnipresence rather, speaks of his infinity, that he is boundless, and not just that he's everywhere present. So I'd like for us to consider this morning briefly the implications of God's omnipresence in three ways. We're going to consider it locally, which is the most obvious meaning. We're going to uh, consider it spiritually, and we're going to consider it personally. Now, while all of these things are just aspects or facets of the same truth, they're all rooted in the same thing, they manifest in our daily lives and our consideration of what the Word teaches about these aspects differently. So we have to be aware of all three of these aspects of God's omnipresence to worship Him properly if we're going to worship Him according to the truth. So first... We're going to consider God's omnipresence locally, meaning that God is present everywhere. We're asserting that the presence of God has no border or boundary, and that his center is fully in every place, geographically and cosmically. Um, When Pastor David was preaching and praying and sleeping in Africa, the fullness of God was with him, right? Right? Yet while we were gathered here in Lubbock, working, building our families, worshiping together, God was fully present with us as well, and at the same time. When we talk about God's local immensity, we struggle to fully comprehend what that truly means. It's easy for us to believe that God is here and in Africa at the same time, but think about what all that means. If God is omnipresent, think about what that means. Right now... God is present on Jupiter. Right now, God is present there. God is present on the farthest star we can imagine. We know the universe being created is finite, although very, very, very large. And what we know by the doctrine of God's omnipresence is that whatever is on the outside border of the universe, guess what? God is there. Amen? God is present right now in the unexplored depths of the ocean. He's there in the midst of the highest, tallest, broadest mountain. He's there right now. 
This immensity was declared when Solomon built the temple for the Lord. He prayed this prayer, realizing in human understanding the absolute futility of his endeavor. He said this in his prayer, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. St. Augustine said this, In no place is God's being or his essence either confined or excluded. (coughs) So though Solomon's temple was magnificent, he realized that God fills everything and that could never be limited to a specific space and a specific building in Jerusalem, no matter how magnificent that building was. And while it's absurd to think that we can keep God contained in any space, no matter how glorious or majestic, it's similarly absurd to to imagine that there's any place that is in any way inaccessible to God. He is just as present, buckle your seatbelts real fast, because right now God is just as present in pagan temples as he is in the meeting houses of the saints where he's worshipped. But we can't imagine that God is there in the same way. The Psalms say that God inhabits the high praises of his people, but he's there receiving glory. But among the wicked, he is there as an all-seeing, all-hearing judge, but make no doubt about it, he is there in their midst. Now you might have trouble with this idea because you would point to me, point me to verses like Genesis 4.16. After Cain murdered his brother, what does it tell us? Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now this means not that Cain somehow was hidden from God or escaped God's watch, but it means that after murdering his brother, Cain departed from the place of covenant blessing. He was out of the line of blessing, but he could never, ever, ever escape God's sight. And this is proven by many, many passages of scripture. Couldn't escape his knowledge, couldn't escape his judgment. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, says, Cain could not go out of God's sight, for God being infinite is everywhere present. Sinners can escape neither an accusing conscience or from a revenging God, says Watson. So our text rightly says this morning, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence if I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea? Even there, your hand will guide me, it shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. God is locally present everywhere. And there's nowhere where he's more or less present. He is boundless and infinite, all-seeing, all-hearing, all-knowing, and completely inescapable. Now, believers and believers should respond to this basic reality of God's omnipresence very differently. Believers should find great peace and comfort in the fact that they are under God's watchful eye and that they can take shelter from all assaults under his mighty wings. Unbelievers, however, should tremble as they consider the uselessness of their hypocritical double lives, their vain excuses 
and their general apathy regarding God's awareness of their folly and their sin. God is not only present, seeing and hearing, but God is making records. And one day the Bible tells us that the books will be open and his wrath will be seen. The omnipresent God who has been dismissed by the unbelieving will manifest himself in clear judgment against naked and guilty sinners. Yet those who have thrown themselves on the mercy and grace of God will forever live in the light of his smiling countenance and that eternally. And this brings us to our next point, that God is omnipresent spiritually. You could also say that God is omnipresent eternally. While we have recognized the easier fact that God's everywhere present in creation, it's also true that God is everywhere present in the spiritual realms, not just the created things that we can see and touch. This is what David says. He says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 66, 1, that heaven is God's throne. God, being a spiritual being without form or parts, doesn't have an actual throne like we would think about. This is language, as we've seen so many times in these attributes, language that's accommodated to the weakness of the human mind. Just to give us some idea of God's majesty. This verse is telling us that God is associated with majesty that is best represented by the glory of the heavens. And think about that. If God, as he often does, described his his presence, his environment with literal diamonds, rubies, gold, and silver, it would be far beneath the wealth and the and the glory of God. But the language of those things is generously used when describing the indescribable. And indescribable is how we must understand God. That, that he uses a lot of symbols and a lot of imagery because he is, at the root of himself, indescribable. How much more is our mind stretched to imagine what exists in heaven where he dwells? And yet God is there. He's enthroned in glory. And this was David's confident joy that God was present in heaven, that his rule was forever uninterrupted. He never had to abandon his glorious post because of some rival or because of some threat. Psalm 115.3, he says again, Our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. God's heavenly throne speaks of his lofty authority and his sovereignty. As long as he is in heaven, as well as on earth and everywhere else, his authority is secure, and nothing can eject him from his heavenly throne. And David took comfort not only in the fact of God's immediate presence during his earthly sojourn, but also his continuing presence in glory. There was something else, however, that David acknowledged about God's spiritual omnipresence. It's found in this phrase, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Now, if you have a King James Version of the Bible this morning and you were reading along with us, this is what you would have read, if I make my bed, not in Sheol, but in hell, Behold, thou art there. Hell isn't the best translation of the term Sheol, and yet it it exists in the King James. Sheol doesn't speak of a place necessarily of torment and judgment. It speaks of of the literal grave, the, the dirt hole in the ground, or a holding place of the spirits of the dead who are awaiting judgment. Jesus referred to Sheol in his parable of 
the rich man and Lazarus as Abraham's bosom. He was speaking specifically of those who, by the faith of Abraham, were waiting for the promise that was delivered to Abraham. And so he called it Abraham's bosom in the parable of rich man and Lazarus. And in that parable, Jesus depicts Sheol as a place where both the righteous and unrighteous dead went. The righteous dead were there waiting for the fulfillment of Christ's work on the cross and for his resurrection. The unrighteous dead were held in torment awaiting for the day of their final judgment before God. And it's in this place that David, a righteous man, recognizes of all things the presence of God. He knows that even in death he cannot be separated from God's presence. What more comfort could a dying saint look for as they're facing death? That God is there. Whatever is on the other side, God is there. However, we believe that Sheol, as, as it's described in Jesus' parable, was, parable was, was abolished after the redemptive work of Christ. Paul says of believers that now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Unbelievers still go to a place of torment to await judgment. But if God is present everywhere, let's, even though I described to you how the King James gets this wrong, and though it uses the word hell, it literally means Sheol. If God is present everywhere, what are we to think of him in relation to hell itself? Not Sheol of the Old Testament, but hell of the new as we understand it scripturally. Well, look at this. Revelation 14.10 says this it's it's speaking of those who have who have rejected Christ and it says he will also drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur now watch this pay close attention to this he'll be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb So let's assume the King James is right. Even if I make my bed in hell, you are there. See, we've got most of our theology about hell from, not from the Bible, but from Dante's Inferno. And so we imagine that it seems from this passage that God, and not demons with horns and pitchforks, is the supervisor of his own judgments on the wicked. And I don't think there's anything more terrifying that I could tell you this morning. That is God, that these torments are happening in the presence of the angels and of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus is the Lamb. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. Hell is not an escape from the presence of God. Rather, it is the unceasing justice that is meted out right before his holy face and beyond all hope of relief, all hope of redemption. So lastly, we have to examine the omnipresence of God personally. Psalm 139.11 says, Surely the darkness shall cover me. And the light about me shall be, if if I say rather, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for the darkness is as light with you. God is always present even in our darkest trials and tribulations. Aren't you glad of that fact? 
God is not just present in every geographical location here and in Africa. He's not just present in the ocean deeps, the highest heavens, or the pits of hell. God is witness to every thought, every sigh, every tear. He sees every one of your fears, whether you express them or not. He is there. You all know Psalm 23, 4, even though... I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is no comfort walking through the valley of the shadow of death without the calming assurance that God is with us and that he will not forsake us. That's the nature of the comfort. God told his people Israel in Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Why? It's because he's with us physically, spiritually, emotionally, provisionally, and providentially. Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is not just omnipresent out there on the frontier somewhere, but he is personally omnipresent. Deuteronomy 31.6, one of my favorite passages in scripture. God says to his, his people Israel as they are entering into the promised land, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear nor be in dread of them. Who's them? The, the people they're going to face on the other side of that river. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Well, that's great for Israel, isn't it? But this typological promise still stands for us today. Why? Because Jesus said right before his ascension, the last chapter, almost the last verse of Matthew, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As is so often the case, what comforts the believer should terrify the unbeliever. There, just all the things I said about believers, there is, for you who are unbelievers, there is no lustful or hateful thought. There is no wicked intention. There is no unjust motive that God does not see and record for the day of judgment. His eyes are always upon you. His ears are open to every spoken and unspoken word. Everybody grab your Bibles real quick. We're almost done. And turn to uh, Psalm 94, uh, and we'll begin in verse 1. And look at, uh, uh, it's on page 286 if you um, are using a blue Bible. (coughs) Excuse me. And this is what the scripture says. Now, now pay close attention to these words. O Lord God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words. The all evil, the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say this, watch this, verse 7, The Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. But listen to the logic of the psalmist. Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? 
He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, knows the thoughts of man. They are but a breath. May God grant the saints everlasting comfort of his eternal presence while terrifying the wicked with his all-seeing eye and ever-open ear. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of your presence, God, that you are everywhere. God, that you are in our environment, whether that's here at church, in the privacy of our homes, in the, in the trials and trouble we sometimes have at work, you're there. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And God, we pray that the reminder of your omnipresence would stir sinners to repent, to realize that there is no hiding from you. When your voice cries out in the garden, you know exactly where we are. And God, I pray that you would just help us to come to that realization and come and repent to you with open hearts to receive the grace and the promise of your benevolent omnipresence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our communion helpers could come forward and and help us to prepare to serve at the Lord's table. I do not know of a better way to end um, the message on omnipresence of God than to by meeting at the Lord's table because what we believe about this and what we believe the Bible teaches is that Christ, through an action of the Holy Spirit, is is con- we are connected to him we are brought by the holy spirit to him this is not just a an act of memorial it's it's not just a remember what jesus did it, it's for us to benefit sacramentally from what jesus is doing in his intercession with us and so um not only is he present with us here in our worship he inhabits the praises of his people but he is we are brought into his literal resurrected presence by the uh, by the, an action of the Holy Spirit, we don't teach that this bread is you know an actual body of Christ or this wine is the actual blood of Christ, but we believe that it connects us with those things through a spiritual action of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, you who are believers should come joyfully that this is this is a promise of His continuing presence with you, a renewal of the covenant you have with Him. And you who are unbelievers here should not come anywhere near this table. Because with the descriptions that I gave you of the piercing eyes and, and ever open ear that, that represents a record that's being, that's being compiled against you, why would you want to be connected with that now? It's, and, and so the Bible says that those who eat and drink unworthily eat and drink condemnation on themselves. But if you will repent of your sins, if you'll stop trusting in yourself and trust only in Jesus Christ, then he will cleanse you. He will give you the, bene- the, the, uh, the benevolent promise of his presence. And he will invite you to feast with him and on him and through him. And so um, we want you to know we're praying for you. And if there's anyone here that wants to talk about what it means to fully trust Christ, then come see myself or Pastor David after the service. And we would uh, make that our priority to talk to you. For the rest of you, come and receive the elements, and we will take them together once you return to your seats.
the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Now let's pause for a moment to give thanks. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are present with us, that you have connected us to your resurrected body by the by the action of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that as we go to work tomorrow, you will be with us. As we face trials and troubles, you will be with us. As our path is made joyful by your grace, you will be with us. And we thank you for that. God, we pray that we would live as those who are walking before the holy eyes of God. And that you would just help us, Lord God, to to remember, God, when we feel forsaken, God, we, we pray that we would remember that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would place your hands in a receiving position, and I will read our final benediction over you. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're dismissed.